bottom of the evening to you. You're listening to Truth Outlaws. I'm your host with a toast, Clyde, but you can call me Saul. And I'm your host with the most, Bonnie, but you can call me Lee. While the insane stream brings you fake news with a veneer of legitimacy, we've decided to reverse this disturbing trend and bring you legitimate news with a veneer of fakery. All in the spirit of satire, of course, with all the plausible deniability and legal protections that provides. Of course. And all in good fun. Naturally. Be sure to check out our show notes for lots of truthy and juicy links. And please comment, like, follow, and share. Seriously, what have you got to lose? Uh, your blinders? Don't harass our listeners, Bonnie. They might wake up. And wouldn't that be a crime, Clyde? Welcome to episode one of Truth Outlaws, NOVID-19, and the urgent necessity to rethink our medical model. Today I'm going to be reading an article I just published at snoozetoawaken.com. That's, that's in the show notes. And Bonnie and I will be discussing it, and we encourage you to discuss it amongst yourselves. Here we go. In a fascinating article using real scientific data for a change, legendary author and health expert Sally Fallon of Nourishing Traditions fame is brave enough to ask the question that many researchers see as the elephant in the room in the COVID-19 scamdemic. Is bologna virus contagious? This is the $64,000 question. The premise that bologna virus is highly contagious and can cause disease provides the justification for putting entire nations on lockdown, destroying the global economy, and throwing hundreds of thousands out of work. But is it contagious? Does it even cause disease? Citing the work of Dr. Andrew Kaufman, whose critically important theory I detail in a recent article of my own, which is called the most important article on bologna virus you will ever read, Fallon goes on to summarize an idea more and more researchers, including many credentialed scientists and medical doctors, are beginning to embrace. There's actually no such thing as viruses. What, what do you think about that, Bonnie? Well, I think that very concept blows a lot of people's minds, first of all. Just fries their circuits. Yeah. Everything we know about medicine is built upon... People thinking there is something, some outside agent that that can attack the body. Right, right. So. And the medical paradigm, the medical model is designed to kill and go after things, you know, cut it out, kill it with a drug. Um, I don't think people are asking enough questions, period. And they certain, certainly haven't asked enough questions since this began over a month and a half ago. I mean, isn't it strange that it, it, it just began at the end of 2019? That's why it's COVID-19. And the medical establishment already acts as if they've completely studied this thing. They know what it is. They've isolated it. They, comp- they totally understand it. And now they can actually create a vaccine for it, and they're gonna go really fast with that, with a lot of without a lot of safety protocols. 
just does anyone else smell a whiff of bullshit? I mean, I do. It's incredible what's going on. Right. Well, it's incredible how um, people fall in line so easily when being told what to do in the name of fear. In the name of fear. So I think that is the very disturbing thing is that people, without even thinking twice, have allowed their livelihoods to be completely turned upside down you know, over something, no matter what it is, it's mild. <laughs> it's mild. It's like a flu if it's like anything. And then you'll see people out there saying, anyone who says this is like the seasonal flu is an effing moron. Well, folks, it's like the seasonal flu. If you look at the mortality rates, year on year, we're actually doing better this year than we did last year. Think about that for half a second. Yeah. Continuing on. While the notion, this notion that there's actually no such thing as viruses may sound absurd to diet in the wool proponents of germ theory, the still unproven hypothesis that contagious microorganisms cause disease that serves as the basis for modern allopathic medicine in all its futile and costly glory, the roots of this concept date as far back as Louis Pister and the work of one of his contemporaries, a brilliant scientist named Antoine Béchamp, whose work Pister plagiarized only to be lionized for doing so. On this subject, a highly informative article found at a link that I provide is worth citing at length. Pister was not a fraud. He was a scientist who, like all scientists, depended upon grants to continue his research. Thus, he was often motivated to lie. Here's a theme. In hmm. order to get ahead of his competition and get the money he needed to get the job done. In fact, the first reference to Pister tells us how he debunked spontaneous generation, and what I add, of microorganisms such as viruses. Geisen's book, The Private Science of Louis Pister, refutes this because Pister's own notes show that the results of his experiments failed to put the, to sleep the concept and that Pister would simply make up a new explanation for his failures. Does that remind you of anything? Oh, what are you thinking there? Oh, just all the shit that scientists make up these days? They're all, oh, of, these, well, they're there's all always... of these studies on scientific studies that show that the scientific studies are about 80% made up and fraudulent. Well, right, because they are all skewed toward a certain agenda that is being funded by some grant, which is probably backed by a pharmaceutical. Amen. Continuing. However, history seems to remember only Pister's successes and has buried the work of his contemporaries, who, though admitting to Pister's germ theory saw past that and realized a whole other world of theories existed. These other theories were not going to make people rich. The germ theory of medicine has made billions of dollars for the pharmaceutical industry, probably trillions over the years if you take into consideration inflation. Had Pister's contemporaries such as Bernard and Béchamp won the spotlight, medicine today would be enormously different and totally unrecognizable. Dr. Sam Chachua, 
I hope I'm not butchering the pronunciation of his name, in his lectures, points out that if you graph deaths by infection over the years, you will see that they were dropping when antibiotics arrived on the scene and that the use of antibiotics did not significantly change the rate at which deaths by infection dropped. I'm just going to repeat that. Antibiotics, the use of antibiotics did not significantly change the rate at which deaths by infection dropped. So we said there's a theme of lies here. Here is a lie that has been propagated endlessly in ad nauseum by the allopathic medical establishment in their deification of Louis Pasteur. Right, but the truth is sanitation was improving, nutrition was improving, um, certain tasks and daily chores were getting easier for people with the Industrial Revolution. I mean, there became a lot of other issues with that too, but lives were easier and it was easier to be healthier. Indoor plumbing? Indoor plumbing. Uh, improved yeah. sanitary conditions in general, right? Many, many factors came into play at the same time that are just swept under the rug and never looked at because you know why? They would disprove germ theory. So I'm going to continue. Where to begin? Well, let's begin with germ theory. As discussed in the lost history of medicine, some of Pister's contemporaries felt that the terrain is more important than the germ. Pister described germs as non-changeable. We know today from Royal Rife's work that microorganisms are pleomorphic, that they can change and often do. A bacterium can mutate into a yeast or fungus and back again. Royal Rife saw this and even photographed it. Excuse me. He even saw a bacterium poop out viruses, as he described it. The problem is no one alive today has ever seen a live virus. Think about that. Rife's microscopes have all been destroyed, or rather they were all maliciously vandalized. And then the writers of this article go on to give a little aside, which I'll include because it's fascinating. And we have been violently criticized for publishing such quote-unquote bunk by every know-it-all on the web. But the facts stand. Rife reported all this, and they eventually killed him for it. Our website is listed with others who are germ theory deniers, like, like Holocaust deniers or something, right? That's just insane. Most people reject Royal Rife's work, reject Pasteur's contemporaries, Bernard and Béchon, and reject naturopathy that still today performs research on a healthy terrain. Modern medicine will never acknowledge the pleomorphic nature of germs because it would turn the pharmaceutical interests on their backs like a helpless tortoise. Again, we follow the money. Medical tests take your blood and then fix it with a dye. They freeze the blood in a fixed state. The germs therein are frozen in time. This is not real life. Germs change. Blood moves. Life is a process not a fixed state. It was Béchon who first discovered the pleomorphic nature of germs, and later on, later on, Bernard described the milieu or environment that affected slash caused those changes. That's an amazing little medical history lesson right there, isn't it? Truly, yeah. I think um, 
terrain theory um, may actually be n a new concept for a lot of people out there. You think? Yeah. Well, most people have never even heard of it, never even heard of any alternative. Um, but in uh, naturopathy and holistic health, it is very widely accepted that if your gut terrain, your microbiome, if you are in balance, if your microorganism population is in a healthy balance and your immune system, you know, is strong, that you can't really, you aren't really going to get sick from someone else or you, or something, you know, a bacteria or, I mean, as we saw with the Spanish flu, which is talked about later, but the experiments that have been done to try to infect healthy people with germs have not been successful. You want to know... What's a real kick in the head in all this? What? Now there's another term that's starting to gain popularity, and it has to do with other healthy mi microorganisms in your body. Any guesses what the term is? Mm. I've not really discussed this much. No, no. What is it? The virome. <laughs> so it's not just your biome, your microbiome with bacteria and healthy yeasts and bacteria mm. in your gut. You also have... All of these helpful viruses, quote-unquote. Is that like an exosome party? It's an exosome party, you know, and if it gets out of hand, I guess it's like an exosome orgy. <laughs> or an exosome riot. Exosome. I like that. And it's not a quiet riot. <laughs> no. Continuing. So you see, at the very beginning of contemporary medicine, Two competing theories, now this is my words now, two competing theories were vying for supremacy. One of these models, known as terrain theory, was rejected, even though it was the truth. The specious idea that microbes in and of themselves cause illness gradually won out because greedy and arguably evil men, mostly, were able to spin this lie to the public and profit massively from it. By the time we get to Royal Rife, one is reminded of Nikola Tesla, who may have been on the verge of producing clean and efficient alternatives to wired electricity and gas power, only to have his life's work destroyed by the same type of inhumane, and possibly, as an aside, inhuman, profiteers. The article on Pister continues. Another problem with the germ theory of medicine is discovered when we look at Koch's postulates as they apply Pister's experiments. Now, oh, maybe I'll get around to the, a joke I made about Koch and his postulates. Uh, we'll see if we'll see if I get up the courage and if Bonnie allows me. But here are the postulates: the bacteria must be present in every case of the disease. That's one. Two. The bacteria must be isolated from the host with the disease and grown in pure culture. And you could also s substitute virus for bacteria. The, uh, and, and I'm a little confused by the language here. Perhaps it should be bacterium. Anyway, the specific disease must be reproduced when a pure culture of the bacterium or bacteria, I guess it's more than one, is inoculated into a healthy, susceptible host. And four, the bacteria must be recoverable from the experimentally infected host. And this is the article. This is the, the quote continuing. 
While Béchamp spent years proving that germs were the consequence of disease and not the cause, Pisteur's theory was much simpler and highly profitable. It made economic sense. It made money. Pisteur never quite fulfilled all the rules, as Gerald Geisen points out in his book. He was not able to find the germ in all cases of a disease, and this is where his research bordered on the fraudulent. A really huge problem was when Pisteur passed a germ from one animal to another to cause the disease. He did not pass the germ alone, but took some blood with it. Injecting toxic blood from one animal to another proves nothing, according to Cook. And, and I have to say it, Bonnie. I really do. So, so, so what, do ahead, you call, what do you call a proponent of germ theory? I don't know. What do you call him, Clive? A coke sucker. Ha! <laughs> Continuing. If the terrain is indeed everything, and germ theory is a fraud, as is becoming increasingly apparent, now these are my words, increasingly apparent despite the valiant efforts of allopathic shills everywhere, what the heck is a virus anyway? And what on earth are all these overly intellectual and ultimately idiotic with a nod to Nassim Taleb, virologists and microbiologists even doing. The absurd condition of modern medicine, which deserves to be torn down and rebuilt from scratch, reminds me of Gulliver's account of his visit to the academy on La Puta, which means the whore, where as summarized by Sparknotes, Jonathan Swift's unforgettable narrator, quote, meets a man engaged in a project to extract sunbeams from cucumbers. He also meets a scientist trying to turn excrement back into food. Another is attempting to turn ice into gunpowder and is writing a treatise about the malleability of fire, hoping to have it published. An architect is designing a way to build houses from the roof down, and a blind master is teaching his blind apprentices to mix colors for painters according to smell and touch. An agronomist is designing a method of plowing fields with hogs by first burying food in the ground and then letting the hogs loose to dig it out. A doctor in another room tries to cure patients by blowing air through them. Gulliver leaves him trying to revive a dog that he has killed by supposedly curing it in this way. And Gulliver comes from gullible, right? That's, that is one of the associations of that name that people have often remarked. I began studying literature and it's always been important to me to bring in other perspectives even when discussing science. I actually was a teaching assistant in a class that was on, on uh, the interface between uh, literature and medicine, which was a fascinating concept. Well, that's very often how they expressed the public opinion about what was going on at the time in science. Say that again. In writing, even in fiction, I think it was a way to express what's happening in the current advances or supposed advances. So like medical fiction? Yeah. I mean, I thought medicine was a fiction. Well, yeah, so it's a fiction of the fiction. Oh, it's very meta. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a mirror, I think, back uh, on 
whatever absurdity is going on at the time, politically, medically, you know. Um, oh, I would agree with that. It's definitely a, a mirror. Yeah, there's... Well, it can also be used for propaganda, like, like the news today. It can be... It can be just as brainwashing in that way. Yeah, it's true. I mean, just because someone's a good writer doesn't mean they're intelligent, and it doesn't mean that they have good intentions. No, no. I mean, um, I think about this article in the New York Times having to do with this conspiracy theory that that oh. that kill masturbates and the kill masturbates and blender baits uh, masturbates foundation is actually philanthropic and that all of these right-wing conspiracy theorists are making shit up and right they're calling make, it fake news even they're calling it fake news even though kill masturbates is is directly quoted in and and speaks himself in a number of interviews about what about about reducing the human population which is genocide Yep, and about um, microchipping the population with a digital uh, vaccine record. All of this is on my blog at Snooze to Awaken, articles about this, so, so check it out. And the New York out. Times called this fake news. Fake news. Even though he himself is saying it. It is no conspiracy theory. It's completely factual. In fact, he just created, this is Killmaster Bates, just created a patent for a cryptocurrency that is somehow is somehow governed by some kind of technology probably microchips inside your body that would be put there by his mandatory bolonavirus vaccine in theory and that this is the a lot of people think this is the mark of the beast and it would be a way of controlling your ability to simply have any money to buy yourself or your family food or put a roof over your head. They would have total control over every single aspect of your life. It was the ultimate control, the ultimate fascism. So, to return to viruses, which are really just exosomes, in Fallon's words, exosomes are particles released from the cell. They carry RNA, toxins, and cellular debris in response to various insults, toxins, stress, including fear, cancer, ionizing radiation, infection, injury, many diseases, immune response, and asthma. A number of virologists agree that viruses are exosomes. They are the same size, the same sh shape. Both carry RNA and both attach to the same receptors. These exosomes slash viruses are the result and not the cause of illness, with primary roles of coagulation, intercellular signaling, and excretion of waste materials. So viruses, whatever they are, are part of the cleanup crew. They're part for, of the cleanup for crew. For other toxins and debris. Yeah, I, I love what Dr. Andrew Kaufman says about this. The... the the way we've diagnosed viruses as the problem would be like going to, it would be comparable to going to a, a fire and the, all of these, the house is burning down, the whole building is, is in flames and there are all of these firefighters there and you claim, 
you being a scientist in this case, claim that the firefighters are causing the fire. Right, 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 right. Right, when they're there to put it out. When they're there to put it out. Just because they're on the scene. Just because they're there. <laughs> and that is about as scientific as the scientific and medical establishment has been for a 200 years practically in developing germ theory. Wow. Wow. I'm amazed that it was accepted. I'm amazed way people back can when. be so stupid. People can just be incredibly stupid and such sheeple. We need to dig deeper, folks. We need to ask questions. We need to do our own research. You need to do your own research. Don't take our word for it. Don't take Dr. Kaufman's word for it. When he says that a, there has never been a scientific study proving viral contagion, that a virus can be transmitted from host to host, go check it out. See if you can find such a study. He spent a long time trying to find it and found bupkis. Continuing. More, did you help? Did you want to say something? No. Nope, I was just agreeing. So, these are my words. We're continuing on with the article. Moreover, as multitudes of people are beginning to learn, person-to-person transmission of a virus has never, ever, here we go, not even during the Spanish flu when horrific experiments were conducted in this arena, been satisfactorily proven to occur, explains Fallon. Health officials in those days were very interested in the question of whether the Spanish flu was contagious. Doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service tried to infect 100 healthy volunteers between the ages of 18 and 25 by collecting mucus secretions from the noses, throats, and upper respiratory tracts of those who were sick. They transferred these secretions to the noses, mouths, and lungs of the volunteers, but not one of them got sick. Blood of sick donors was injected into the blood of the volunteers, but they remained stubbornly healthy. Finally, they instructed those afflicted to breathe and cough over the volunteers, but none became sick. Researchers even tried to infect healthy horses with the mucus secretions of horses with the flu, but the results were the same. The Spanish flu was not contagious. And then I say, what does cause pandemics then? I won't steal Fallon's thunder here. I urge you to read her article, and I link to it, in its entirety and ponder its profoundly sobering implications for a world addicted to technology. Below are two images with virtually identical features. And again, you need to be looking at the article to see this, but it's as clear as day. Proving that so-called NOVID-19 is simply an endogenous, meaning generated inside the body, response of a pleomorphic nature to assaults to the immune system. The image on the left shows exosomes. The one on the right shows NOVID-19, which, by the way, has yet to be isolated and cultured in accordance with Koch's postulates. Sounds like nothing is done in accordance with Koch's postulates. Not anymore, apparently. I mean, they're very commonsensical. Uh, go back and listen to that, that part of this podcast. They're, they make sense. And if they were done rigorously and scientifically, we would be living in a very different medical universe right now. 
So I say about this image is see much of a difference. Me neither. The similarities between exosomes and NOVID-19 go, go even further. Dr. Kaufman enumerates five specific characteristics of exosomes and so-called NOVID-19 that prove beyond any reasonable doubt that they are interchangeable. Both exosomes and NOVID-19 have precisely the same diameter when inside cells, 500 nanometers. In this instance, an exosome would technically be referred to as an endosome. They also have precisely the same diameter when outside cells, 100 nanometers. Both use the, same, the exact same receptor, the ACE2, for cellular access. Both contain RNA. And last but not least, least both exist in lung fluid. To be clear, I am not saying that people aren't dying in modest, when not grossly overinflated, numbers. And I'm not saying that there aren't some very strange respiratory symptoms involved. On this subject, have a listen to what Cameron Kyle Sedell, MD, has to report. And he's an emergency room doctor working, I believe, in New York, seeing all of this, uh, these wild symptoms, but that don't line up with the pneumonia diagnosis that's being given or the pneumonia connection or description that's being provided. And he's very against using intubation because he feels like it's extremely dangerous given what's going on. And he essentially compares what he's seeing to something resembling, these are not necessarily his words, but oxygen, oxygen deprivation or altitude sickness or something like that. It's very, very odd. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, yes, yeah, like something's mopping the oxygen out of their, is it out of the air or out of their bloodstream where's it happening well it's as if they're not getting enough oxygen wherever it's right. being, like being removed it's almost as if they're suffocating yeah. it's very very bizarre and sure enough this five gaga technology at 60 gaga hertz is is has been shown to to essentially remove oxygen from the air so there's a bit of a smoking gun there for at least some kind of connection between 5-Gaga and Bolonavirus that is yet to be fully understood. And it's caused uh, a lot of, uh, of freakout in the establishment, which I'll get into here in a moment. What I am saying is that the cause of these deaths and bizarre symptoms isn't a virus because viruses per se don't exist. Viruses have been purposely and profitably misconstrued as contagious bad guys, when in reality they par they're part of a harmless and even helpful immune response to toxic threats. You could even go so far as to say that a proper understanding of the role of exosomes is a key to creating a health system actually capable of curing something, as opposed to the disease management regime we currently live and die under. But don't just take my word for it. Don't just sit there with your face puckered and stubborn denial. Try being open-minded for a change. Do your own research. Start with this scientific article that reaches similar conclusions relative to what causes or doesn't cause AIDS. And I link to a fascinating article titled HIV as Trojan Exosome, Immunological Paradox Explained? Next, consider Dr. Kaufman's 
eminently well-researched theory in his own words, and I include the uh, YouTube video that is the most concise summation of his theory that's out there. It's very, very clear, very clean. It's about 30, 30 odd minutes. Mm -hmm. You watched that video, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of Kaufman videos. He just did a, a fantastic interview on the Higher Side Chats with Greg Carlwood. And my followers might know that I was interviewed by Greg a few months ago. Greg's a great interviewer, very intelligent guy, who takes the time to do what interviewers should do, which is learn something about the people they're interviewing and about their work so that you can have an intelligent conversation. So he, he's really done his homework. So look up, go, go to YouTube uh, and look up Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Higher Side Chats. Hopefully it'll still be there. The uh, Andrew Kaufman's recent uh, uh, interview with David Icke's son, Jamie, has been removed from YouTube, just like David Icke, uh, the father's uh, interview on London Real was taken down and uh, greatly criticized, even though he was basically just describing Andrew Kaufman's theories on exosomes and viruses. So this is information they don't want us to know, and you know it's important then. There's truth in anything that's censored. Yes. All you got to do is figure out what's being censored, what they're calling fake news. For example, right now on Facebook, Mark Fuckerberg just came out and said that they're going to be putting little warning indications when you like or comment on something that they consider fake news. So when yeah. and if there's ever any mass, mass arrests, I hope Mark Fuckerberg is toward the top of the line with Kill Master Bates. Moving on. Next, listen to what renowned holistic MD Thomas Cowan has to say about viruses. I'm including the whole video because it's well worth watching on the hot topic of Kill Master Bates and Jaxines. They're Jaxines because they hijack your immune system. But if you want to skip to the chase, go to the 652 mark. Dr. Cowan lists a number of possible non-viral assaults to the human immune system that could be creating symptoms of Novid-19. As indicated, Jaxines are heavily implicated in some of the worst balonavirus outbreaks. Just take a look at this chart to understand why this might be the case. And there's a wonderful chart that says, do you know what's in a vaccine? None of these should be injected into your body. So these are all the categories of things with, with further descriptions of what's in a vaccine. Aluminum. Uh, I'm just going to give you a few of these. Aluminum, genetically modified yeast, animal, bacterial, and viral DNA, formaldehyde, which is known to cause cancer. Latex rubber human and animal cells, mercury in the form of thimerosal, a known neurotoxin, MSG, phenol. Which is mostly used as a flavor enhancer, so I find that humorous. They, well, you got to hand it to them, and I, I appreciate them. I mean, we should at least demand. I mean, if we're going to get mandatory vaccinations... They might as well taste they good. They might as well taste good. So I do... You know, I do really appreciate that concession from our genocidal controllers. So anyway, there's, there's a wonderful, uh, wonderful graphic in the article. 
Continuing, other researchers such as Fallon, who in her article references the epidemiological theories of Arthur Furstenberg, outlined in his brilliant and impeccably researched book, The Invisible Rainbow, have pointed to uncanny parallels between the rollout of Five Gaga and the so-called pandemic. There are a couple of images from Sally's article where you can see the connection between the, the outbreak and the 5G rollout, and it's just visually right there. It's kind of hard to deny. Whatever it means, you can't deny there is a connection. The obvious connection between Bologna virus and 5Gaga has caused such a kerfuffle in the control establishment that, that YouTube immediately began unconstitutionally censoring videos on this topic. Now, I thought we had a good name for YouTube. Oh, PooTube. Poo it should be PooTube. So PooTube immediately began unconstitutionally censoring videos on this topic. And now the UK, in a move straight out of Nazi Germany, is talking about criminalizing criticism of Jacksines, which, by the way, according to the Nuremberg Code of Research Ethics, given their known dangers and wholly unproven efficacy, should never even be used in clinical trials, much less go to market. In fact, based on this important historical document of ethics, the vaccine industry shouldn't even exist. But nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Whatever the cause of symptoms and deaths erroneously attributed to COVID-19, the extreme likelihood that no contagious agent is involved should give anyone pause when encountering someone claiming that bologna virus was bioengineered. Now, and I think bologna, too, was bioengineered. That Oscar Mayer is this great bioengineering company. And that was one of the first documented bioweapons. Baloney. Don't you think so? <laughs> Probably. Haven't you heard that? I think it causes genetic mutations. And supersizing, you know, just supersize me, baby. Balonify me. Well, supersizing certainly did lead to supersized people. <laughs> supersized people. I mean, have you walked around America? I have foreign friends, people from other countries, and they come to America, and they take me over to the side, and they... They say, why is everybody so fat? Well. It's a problem. It's because they've been bioengineered. By the fast food industry. <clears throat> GMOs. Continuing. The majority of people, being simple themselves, were easily fooled by the simple meme put out 24-7 on lamestream news that COVID-19 is just a naturally occurring virus. But the deep state needed something to pull the wool over the eyes of the skeptical, those inclined to believe and promote conspiracy theories, many of which, I'm the first to admit, actually have some validity. In order to have them join the ranks of good little sheeple queuing up for kill masturbates, DNA-altering, microchip-implanting jacksines. Enter the biological weapon meme. All it takes is a few fake innuendos and fabricated reports by alphabet agencies about bioengineering and COVID-19, and voila, a chorus of useful COVID-idiots rises up to champion this BS as truth. Have you been seeing this out there in your perusal of what passes for news? Oh, absolutely. It's like uh, the fake news of the alternative media. <laughs> yeah, it's like... 
is you have the fake news and then you have the half baked news. You have the underground half baked news. You know, you have all these conspiracy like like Dodo Pilcock. I mean, Dodo Pilcock is out there doing all these shows with hundreds of thousands of people listening to it, going into to how this is a bioengineered weapon that's proven. This Harvard professor was 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 implicated, being funded by by Killmaster Bates, and he was being funded to make jackscenes, not necessarily a bioweapon, which apparently is impossible to do given how the body works and how viruses are not contagious. Get it? Get it? It can't be that. Right. Yeah, it can't be a bioweapon. They could create a toxic agent, and they did during the wars. It's called the news. Yeah, yeah. But um, as far as uh, microorganisms and things like that, it's, I mean, even whatever they think they're dealing with, they even say mutates, you know, on its own, you know, which actually supports the pleomorphic theory. Oh my gosh, viruses are being pleomorphic. They've observed something mutating, which means that you can't really control something that you unleash. Right. If it were even possible. But we'll we'll jacksonate you for it, even though... Here's what flu shots are like, folks. And I want you to think about this. They make the flu shot with the previous year's flu strain, which isn't even real, it's a virus... So it's just an exosome. So all of that is made up shit. But they they make the jackscene with it that they then roll out to market the following year for all of these sheeple. I like to call people who who, who support that and who blindly blindly subscribe to germ theory and jacksonation. I call them bunny felches. There are these bunny felches out there. So and you can see what they look They're like. They're technically bunny the apologists. For the vaccine industry, right, because right. they always know somebody in their family who had polio or something. Oh yes, the polio thing. Believed that they were helped by vaccines, or that their subsequent generations, you know, they wanted to protect them from what great grandma Ida had. Right, right. You know. Right when when and polio it's sad. has been proven to be the result of toxic exposure and the polio vaccine if anything simply causes polio and this is what bill gates has been doing in india according to robert kennedy jr and the the polio vaccine has never been proven to have anything to do with the lowering of rates of polio which those rates were already declining when the vaccine was introduced. So there's nothing at all proven or scientific. In fact, a vaccine, a jackscene, has never been proven to protect anybody from anything. I want you to let that sink in. This is scientific fact, not made-up propaganda. So here we are, continuing. So... And now, with the only provably bioengineered and weaponized thing in this discussion, though the only provably bioengineered and weaponized thing in this discussion is vaccines, jackscenes, of 
course, with their documented ability to fly under the radar of the human immune system and wreak havoc, we're even seeing Ronald Stump suggesting that COVID-19 sketchily originated in a lab. It escaped from the lab. I, I see this little animal. It was in the lab, you know, and it was running around it's like something, something an alien, and and it just went right between the legs of all these scientists, and and it's right out the front door. It just escaped, and then, and then it exploded everywhere throughout the world. So much so that we had to go all of us under military martial law and house arrest. Right, unconstitutional An history in the making. House arrest. Continuing, and this is the last paragraph. While I can understand using this lie, we're back to that again, as a political strategy, which I pray is what Stump is engaged in, and, but as an aside, I fear it might not be, to defang the genocidal and fascistic mandatory jacksonation agenda promoted by Kill Master Bates, Dr. Ouchy, and their corrupt cronies at the World Disease Organization, the Center for health control, and elsewhere, a lie, especially one that supports a fraudulent germ theory that has been used and will continue to be used to undermine our health and curtail our freedoms until we replace it with the truth, is still a lie. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode of Truth Outlaws. We hope you enjoyed our little chat as much as we did. Be sure to tune in next time. And please share this podcast with other outlaws out there. Why not go out in a blaze of glory? They're coming for us anyway. <laughs> <laughs>